I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 238. All right, guys, jumping right in. Hey, y'all, this is Brandy from West Virginia, now Arizona. You know that I love you girls to death. I mean, not literally, but anyway. I would say throughout my entire life, my mom and myself have experienced a lot of paranormal or just unexplainable things. I'm not the best writer, so bear with me because this is going to jump all over the place. Being young, I always knew things, but never paid attention to them. I just assumed it was normal. I could tell when someone was sick or sad without ever seeing them or talking to them. I would call them and say, what's wrong? Are you okay? Someone would ask, why? How'd you know? I honestly have no idea. I would hear people talk, but just ignored that as well, thinking it was just other people. But years later, I learned this was not the case. These are just some of the things I experienced throughout my life. I would hear family members talk that weren't around, and I'd tell my mom, insert name, just said my name. And she'd hear it as well, but they'd say her name. I would get a feeling and knew something was wrong instantly. I would see people sitting on the end of my bed as they'd sit there. I could hear what they were saying, but like inside of my head, if that makes sense. I knew my sister was pregnant before she even thought she was. I told her one night, you're pregnant. And she was like, yeah, okay. And sure enough, that was the night she got pregnant. When she got pregnant a second time, I told her she would not carry her son to term, but that he would be okay. At 35 weeks, they took him. While fixing my daughter's hair in the bathroom, her and I both saw something in the air, looked to our right, and gold glitter was falling from the ceiling. No way you could have gotten it in the ceiling to put anything up there because it was just a solid ceiling. We both left out and after calming down, we decided to check it out and there was nothing there. No trace of any glitter. Later that night, she and I both heard music coming from under my bed and checked and there was nothing under there. And it's a one-story house, no basement. My brother started having grandma seizures. The night before they'd happen, I would have specific dreams, call my mom, and sure enough, he would have had a seizure that night. There was an instance my daddy was on his way home from the mines, and it was just my mama and I home. There was a huge bang on our sliding glass door that I thought would have broken it. We both looked at each other after the initial shock, and both at the same time said, something's wrong with my dad. 30 minutes later, he called and said he had been in an accident before cell phones. My daughter and I were coming home from a Christmas Eve program one year. We saw three animals crossing the road that were hairless and their bodies were red and black. They had four legs, but odd-shaped heads and no ears. The mom, I'm assuming, stopped at the side of the road to wait on what I guess were her children. Cars on the other side of the road had to stop too. It was not a dog unless dogs have no ears, odd-shaped heads, and can walk on two legs once they reach the side of the road. I don't know how or why these things come to or appear to me, but they do. Okay, first things first. That's the night she got pregnant or she found out she was pregnant? Got, she said. Okay. So note, if someone says I'm pregnant, don't have (laughs) sex that night. But it definitely seems to run in y'all's family. I know, your mom, you, your daughter. Uh Uh-huh. But was your daddy okay? I think so. I think he had just gotten in a wreck. I mean, he did call himself true also i don't know what the hell that creature thing you saw was Uh uh-uh don't want to know either Mm -mm. i wish you knew the people in the other cars would be like did y'all see what i saw did you see what that just happened yeah (laughs) also just so you know brandy you stumped carrie on wv you know what (laughs) we don't have to tell everything donna (laughs) okay the next one hi donna and carrie i'm a fairly new listener and patreon subscriber i love the show And I'm so glad I found you two. I love all the listeners' stories as much as the crime stories. My story isn't scary and therefore a little off-brand, but it is remarkable. My name is Trish. I live in Colorado along the Front Range. 
I used to have a little Subaru Justy that I drove to my job in another town, about 45 minutes away. I was driving the back roads to work one morning when something happened to my car. The temperature for the engine shot way up. I'm not much of a mechanic, although I could do things with Justy like change the oil and fix a flat. I was close enough to home that I turned around thinking I would drive home. Then I decided I should pull over first and let it cool off so I could check if the radiator had fluid before I drove it further. I popped the hood and heard some hissing. I knew better than to take that radiator cap off, so I knew I was in for a wait and frankly nervous about it. I was on a road that didn't get much traffic back then. I looked at the engine but couldn't see the thing I could identify as the problem. Now, this was back in the 90s, long before cell phones were so ubiquitous. I was trying to decide if I should just maybe lock the car up, walk home, and call a tow truck. I may have sent a little plea for help out to the universe so I know what to do. I finally decided to go get my purse and walk home. As I stepped back from the front of the car to go to the driver's side and get my things, I noticed that a white van was now parked behind me. I hadn't heard it approach. A man dressed in white tennis shorts with a white v-neck sweater, a white shirt, wearing white socks and white tennis shoes, got out of the white van. He had wavy brown hair and wore silver wire-rimmed glasses, but I don't remember his other features clearly. I just knew right away he was friend, not foe. He said, do you mind if I take a look? And I was like, no, please go right ahead. I was really surprised that a guy dressed in all white would dare to get near a dirty car engine, but he didn't hesitate. I was so worried that my little car was going to get him dirty, but he didn't seem to care. He walked to the front of my car and almost immediately pointed to the hose coming from the radiator. You have a crack in that hose? See it? I did see it. Plain as day as he pointed it out. I asked him if he thought I could make it back to my house safely, and he didn't ask how far I had to go. He just said, you should have no trouble getting home. Then put a little water in the radiator after it cools and go to a mechanic to get that hose replaced. Why I believed him, I don't know, but I was relieved that he thought I could get home okay. I thanked him profusely for stopping as he closed the hood of my car. He said it was no problem. He walked back to his car and I got in my car. I started my car and looked in the rearview mirror, but he was already gone. I looked down the road ahead of me, which had a couple of miles visibility, but there was no car anywhere to be seen. I looked back behind me again, but he hadn't turned around to go back the way he came. He should have still been visible in one direction or the other, but he was completely gone. Just gone. Happy ending, I made it to my house, found a mechanic, and got the hose replaced. All thanks to a stranger who may be just a really nice guy, or who knows? Maybe that really nice guy dressed in white, driving a white van, was my guardian angel. Thanks for listening. Creep it real and don't get scared, Trish. Trish, your instincts, uh, glad you trust them, because I'd have been like, white van, no thanks, I'm good. Right? Well, and then, of course, right when I'm, like, reading that, and it's, like, white, 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 I'm like, is he in a cult? Right? <laughs> God, we, we've done this podcast for far too long. We don't trust nothing. <laughs> no. But I'm glad you were able to make it home and get that checked out. And, ugh. Car trouble, when you're on the side of the road, it seems like forever, and it's only been a second. Well, and you're so terrified. You're like, am I going to get axe murdered? Is somebody going to hit my car with me sitting here and kill me? Am I going to die out here from heat exhaustion? Like, you've, you're like it's, it's all the extremes. Yeah. Okay, the next one. Hi, everyone. I've written in a few times before, but I need to stay anonymous for this one as subject in question is still employed at my company. It is currently August 17th, 2023, as I write this for those wondering where we are in the timeline. I hope that when y'all get to this story, the guy will have been fired. Okay, so assign me a golden girl's name and let's get to it. 
I'm feeling Dorothy. Go right ahead. Okay, so I work for a small but busy private-owned urgent care in the South, in the U.S. I'm strictly front desk clerical as I'm not a fan of touching people or the stuff that comes out of them. I'm usually alone at the front, so the co-workers I'm friends with are the medical assistants and nurses. Our clinic, like most urgent cares, employs mid-level providers like nurse practitioners and physician assistants instead of actual MDs. Two of our providers had to take extended leave this summer. One got married and had a six-week honeymoon, and the other one had a baby. So my company rushed to hire another provider to help fill the gap. We'll call him Gower. He's a PA, and though only in his late 50s, he's been retired for a few years from the Army as a medic. The doctor who owns our company is a veteran and does a lot to support other veterans and their families. One of the reasons I like the company. Gower started with us in March of this year to allow time for training and certification before the other two providers started their leave. I do consider myself to be sensitive, a little to the paranormal, but I'm usually pretty good at reading people. The problem is I have this genuine desire to see the best in people and not judge, which makes it too easy to dismiss bad vibes and little red flags. When I first met Gower, he felt off. I don't know how else to describe it, but again, I try not to judge, at least not at the very first meeting, so I dismissed the feelings and stayed polite. Over the next few months, I only worked with him a few times and always with him as a second provider, so he was never in charge of the clinic. The first time I worked with Gower by himself was last month. Mid-morning, a patient was checking out and Gower walked up to the front to talk to the patient some more. I felt weird with him in my space, but stayed focused on my computer as I discharged the patient from the system. Suddenly, I felt his hand on my back and I jumped and gasped. I had startled him and the patient he was talking to, and suddenly that ingrained need to diffuse and make sure everyone was comfortable and not offended possessed me temporarily and I actually apologized to him. They sent a little facepalm emoji. I said, sorry, I'm just not a fan of touching. He accepted my apology, but ever since then avoids coming up front when I'm working, so I guess that worked for my benefit. Later in the day, the two medical assistants that were working came up front to vent about how horrible Gower treated and talked to them. We'll call them C and D. C was the x-ray tech on staff for the day and had taken a chest x-ray of a patient. Gower didn't think she did it correctly, and instead of just asking her to take it again, he berated her in front of D and the patient. C said she was shook and it was all she could do not to cry. D complained that he had been barking orders at her, rushing her, and showing no common courtesy. Every other provider says please and thank you. A little while later, Gower had a pizza delivered for everybody. We all had some and thanked him. Near the end of the day, I went back to grab a drink from the fridge and overheard Dee practically shout at Gower. You can't talk to me like that. It's not acceptable. To which he replied, hey, I bought you lunch. You can't be mad at me. And then he laughed. The very next day, I reached out to my manager who was in the process of creating our August schedule and asked that I not be scheduled on the days he worked alone, to which she sighed and responded, you and everybody else. So that was nearly six weeks ago. And yesterday was the first time I've worked with him since then, and he was a second provider. The first provider was his direct manager, so I wasn't really worried about him misbehaving. It was a long and busy day. 12-hour shifts suck. Nothing out of the ordinary happened, and the MAs, not C or D, seemed fine. I came home last night and Dee sent me a text message saying that she had reported Gower for grabbing her ass twice while they were in a room with a door closed, stitching up a patient a few days ago. There are no cameras and the patient didn't notice, so it's her word against him. Dee is very upset and her husband is furious. She said if they didn't do anything about Gower, she will have to quit and she loves her job. She told me about some information that her husband had dug up on Gower. He's 56, married to a 22-year-old. While it's not a crime, it's very odd to me. 
what is a crime is that he fucking broke into the Capitol in D.C. on January 6th, 2021. Yeah, he was part of that attack. From the DOJ website, they sent some criminal charges and that he was sentenced to 24 months probation with nine days of home detention, $500 restitution, and a $3,000 fine. So almost everyone else that broke in was sentenced to two years in prison, but because of his years of service, he got a lighter sentence with no jail time. But he's still on probation for 10 more weeks and yet is employed at my company, and I worked with him yesterday. Well, I'm not scheduled to work with him again for the rest of the month, but they haven't released September's schedule, so I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully by the time y'all read this, I'll have an update. Creep it real, and for crying out loud, if anyone touches you anywhere on your body and you don't want them to, don't apologize. Set them straight. Stay safe, y'all. I totally get where you apologize, because mm-hmm, too. I do the same thing. I totally, yeah, me too. You like, you're such a people pleaser that you just want to diffuse the situation and be like, oh, sorry, you know, whatever. But yeah. you, yeah, you definitely shouldn't have to apologize for someone making you uncomfortable. They made you uncomfortable. Right. But also, I'm surprised that that didn't come up in the background check of him for the, for the job. Yeah. But, you know, there are some charges, like if you get convicted of, that you cannot have and have your license as a medical professional. But, I mean, I guess because he got, like, knowingly entering or remaining in a restricted building or grounds without permission, disorderly, disruptive conduct, you know, that kind of thing versus, like, an assault, you know? Yeah. Okay, the only thing you had to tell me about him for me to know who he was as a person is that he stormed the Capitol. Like, that's fucking illegal. Yeah. Also, like, the audacity of him to grab her ass where, of course, he knew they couldn't be seen. And then the patient's probably out of it. And even if not, like, you don't notice that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, if they're standing behind you, like, getting something ready while you're sitting there waiting to be stitched up, you're not paying attention to every fucking move they make. Exactly. But if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, they got something going on. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be like, like, it would make me uncomfortable, but I wouldn't be like, that's inappropriate. Right. Because we don't know that, that whole thing. But even if they did have something going on, that's very inappropriate, and it should be like, addressed with that company yeah but clearly they don't it wasn't mutual and or it wasn't consensual so fuck all the way off okay the next one hello beautiful ladies my name is chris and i have been listening to you ever since my fiance soon-to-be wife sharice shared your podcast with me we are both extra large pizzas with thick crust I just want to say before I start you two ladies are amazing and make us laugh all the time now on to my tales This is more of a sentimental sighting than a sinister sighting. It happened back in the mid-80s after my grandfather passed away. My family were headed to Arizona for his funeral, but I was not wanting to go because I wanted to remember my grandfather for the man he was, not the empty shell of a body laying in the coffin. My family had barely been gone for a day when I was at home by myself and fell asleep on the couch. At this time, there were some people starting trouble in our neighborhood, and my parents had warned me about falling asleep with the door open. Well, I did just that. I fell asleep with the door open. I don't know how long I had been asleep when I felt someone shaking me awake, and when I kind of opened my eyes, I saw a man standing over me. I closed my eyes, then opened them again real fast because I remembered I was supposed to be at home alone, and when I reopened my eyes, the man was gone. Needless to say, I freaked out and called my friend over and told him what happened. After we both searched the house and found nothing, I finally relaxed and said maybe it was just a trick of my mind. 
Fast forward a week later and my family's back home and my father's going through some old pictures when I spotted the man in the picture. Excitedly, I told my father, him, that's the man I saw when I first opened my eyes. My dad smiled and said, that man in the picture was my grandfather. It seems he decided to come visit me and let me know he was fine with me not going to his funeral. On to the next tale, and it involves the house we lived in when I was younger. There used to be a lot of weird stuff happening in and around our house. We would have our lights flash on and off. We would get these huge rats when our neighbors wouldn't even get them. We would even get stuff that would fall out of nowhere. Most of the time, we just chalked it up to, it happens. Well, until we cleaned out our backyard. At that time, our backyard was huge and it was completely covered in ivy. Once we finished getting rid of the ivy, we discovered a concrete block about three feet high and a foot wide all the way around. Also painted on the front of the block looked to be a red demon looking figure with snakes wrapped around the arms and the legs. The concrete block had chips out of it, and if you walked near, you would swear that you could hear hissing coming from inside. Once we got to take a look at the thing, my brother and my father took baseball bats and holy water to it and destroyed it. After that, we never really experienced anything weird again. I've tried to find out more information on the address, but have never been able to come up with anything. Thank you ladies for listening to my story, Creep It Real. P.S. Me and my fiance kind of take your same route with our podcast. We are so uncensored and we never edit. LOL. If you ever wish to listen, it's called What You Got. Oh, we edit because uh, we fuck up a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. Yeah, if we didn't edit, you'd be here for four hours going, wow, it's one word. Just say it. It only has an R, Dada. <laughs> but that's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that y'all have a podcast. I love to tell people, yes, start a podcast. Do it. Like if you have a passion for it, do it. So again, that is what you got if y'all want to check it out. Also, Chris, I love how you didn't even have like one sentence in and you had to tell me you were already taken. You know me too well. And then Chris didn't even leave room for interpretation. They were like, my fiance about to be wife. Like, yeah, like, bitch, back off. Mm-hmm. I smell what you're putting down. Okay. But when you said rats dropping from uh, places, uh. I, it affected me. <laughs> yeah, don't like that. Apparently, I love cartoon rats, but real rats, no, I'm not a fan. Let's be honest, cartoon rats, too, because Templeton was a mouse. Oh. Different. Templeton? Yeah, but, the, like, he's the exception. Like, even it was Splinter... Oh, yeah. Oh, give me a heebie-jeebies. I don't, I don't, I don't do the rats. (laughs) Okay, I will say Ratatouille. I couldn't really, like, enjoy that movie because I was like, he's a mouse too, though. Well, I don't, whatever. Apparently, I don't know the two, okay? But. I actually have no idea uh, if he was a mouse or a rat. (laughs) But all the people, like, all the rodents, I guess I should say, touching all the food and everything, Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I can't, I can't get past that i don't know yeah you definitely struggled with that with that movie i don't uh, did you ever even watch it yeah i watched it but it took me a while to get finished but i will say that there was a gamecube i think video game of ratatouille and it was hella fun okay the next one we have a pattern it's august 17th 2023 below is my terribly edited sinister sighting submission when i first started listening i thought carrie was donna and donna was carrie whenever i hear you talk now i have to remind myself to switch faces in my head your voices are backwards love you both so much so many people do that yeah they really do okay i'm carrie and i'm blonde i'm donna and i'm short and round and brown haired 
All right, so then they say, hey, long-time listener, first time writing in. I love listening to Donna and Carrie. They are like the big sisters I never had. I especially love Sinister Sightings and the fact that a new one comes on in the mornings for me. I get to listen on my way to work. Anyway, to get to the story, you'll have to know a little bit about me. My name is Emily. I'm from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. My dad followed my mom home from Yellowstone National Park where they met and fell in love. They moved to the Ute and had me. My dad is 100% Northern Arapaho, so I'm half Native American. I'm also an addict. I used IV substances for about seven years. I've been clean for four years, August the 4th. To get to where I am today, I had to go through some rough things in some rough places, but it was all worth it. I beat the odds. I'm sober. I finally decided that my life was worth living, and August the 4th of 2019, I went to a rehab program in Michigan. It was an old motel remodeled and revised to a center for substance abuse. It was small and couldn't fit more than 100 people. Each person had one roommate. Men and women were separated. Every morning, we would get woken up at 5 a.m. to get our meds and see the nurse if necessary, then go on to programs and group therapies during the week. Weekends were for chores, laundry, and visitation. I've been to three rehabs in my life. They're pretty much all the same. They all have a heaviness, a sadness of sorts. You don't go to rehab because your life is going great. You either go because you're forced to or you're at rock bottom and something has to change. I can tell you that rock bottom does indeed have a basement because I found it. That's where I was the time I checked in, hopeless and defeated. All of us were at a catalyst in our lives, a fork in the road, and you have to make a choice to keep living. When I checked in, I had a roommate. She was fine. We weren't especially close. She kept to herself and I kept to my own side. I noticed she was especially religious. Her dad was a pastor. We would be in our room doing our homework from all the groups all day, and the bathroom door would close by itself. That could be caused by many things, so we joke about it. It kept happening a few times a day, closing all the way. It was weird, but we mostly ignored it until one day when it slammed so hard, we were speechless. We told the group about it, and we smudged the room. Burned sage slash sweet grass to cleanse. That night, it came. My roommate was sleeping, and I was about to doze off when I heard footsteps. Shuffling footsteps, like they had slippers on, and their heels were dragging on the carpet. The footsteps came to me, and then sat down on the foot of my bed. I was crazy. It had to be. There wasn't anyone there. I closed my eyes and tried to meditate. Somehow, I fell asleep, because the next thing I knew, I was being woken up for meds. Emily, for the third time, wake up. My roommate was leaving that day, and even though we'd never be friends, I didn't want her to leave. I was scared to stay in that room alone. I was so tired, I didn't sleep well the night before, and I was stressed out. I went to bed as early as I was allowed, 7 p.m. Suddenly, I heard, knock, knock, Emily, meds. I was relieved. Nothing creepy had happened that night, so I jumped right out of bed, grabbed my robe, slippers, and made my way down the hall to get my meds. I got to the office and said, morning, Amanda, ready for my meds. Amanda, the counselor for the night, stared at me for a moment, slowly replying, Em, why are you awake? It's 3 a.m. I froze, and we stared at each other for another minute before I told her, No, it can't be. You just woke me up. You came to my room. She did not come to my room to wake me. It was too early for morning call. I'm a very deep sleeper. They'd complain about how hard it is to wake me up. We laugh about it, but we were both scared. She let me stay up with her for another hour because I was too scared to go back to my room. We talked and laughed, and soon I felt better. I went back to my room at 4.30 and kept the lights on. I was officially spooked. Nothing happened for a couple of days besides the bathroom door doing whatever it wanted. If I opened it, it would close. If I propped it open, it would find a way to shut. It was annoying, but I could cope. Two weeks had gone by, and it was my turn to graduate. I was focused on freedom. 
A couple of days before my graduation, a new girl had checked in. She moved right next door to me and she was detoxing so badly we were instructed to leave her alone and her room was closed off to us. That night, I was laying in bed reading. The sun still hadn't set and it was after dinner and I was drowsy. I had plans to go out for one more smoke before suddenly something tickled my ankle, almost like a cold hand lightly touching me. I shook my foot and said, stop it out loud. After a moment, the hand then grabbed my left knee. I shook my leg and said, stop it. Right then, the cold fingers that I couldn't see ran up my side from my mid-thigh up to my boobs. Ice cold fingers, mocking and touching me however they wanted. At that point, I jumped out of bed and ran out of the room. I ran to the cafeteria laughing, not because it was funny, but it was because I couldn't believe it. It never touched me before, and prior to this, I wasn't convinced it was happening. I knew something was in that room. Thank God I was leaving soon. At this point, I had spent 58 of my 60 days grieving, learning, connecting. I was ready to go and live my life. The night before my graduation, I was outside enjoying a smoke. The new girl who had been sick earlier was feeling better and was up and talking. She joined me outside and asked me about how to navigate this rehab place. Then she asked me, is this place haunted? Trying to judge if she was kidding or not. It didn't seem like a joke, so I said, why do you ask? And she said, and I quote, last night I heard footsteps in my room slow shuffling footsteps and I swear something sat on my bed. This was my first time talking to her. How could she have known? I choked. Literally on my drink I spit out and looked at her. What did you say? She repeated it again and I couldn't believe it. Our rooms are right next to each other. Maybe it liked to hang out on our end of the hall. I told her about my experiences and we decided that yes this place might be haunted. We made a point to ask the director if anyone else had complained of anything weird and he told us yes and that when the building was the motel 30 plus years ago, a woman had hanged herself in one of the rooms. We asked a few other girls that we trusted and no one had experienced what we did. I graduated with honors and went to a sober living after that, kind of like a halfway house for addicts trying to get their lives together. One evening while I was napping, I saw something. This was in another city about an hour from the rehab. I was laying on my back. I could see the light in the corner, but I started seeing shadows through my eyelids. Like there were a bunch of people in my room with me walking around. I kept my eyes closed because I was scared to look when all of a sudden the cold fingers came back and grabbed my foot. I threw myself out of bed and ran downstairs. I was so upset because I thought it had followed me. I requested a room change and thankfully there was an Indian reservation nearby. I did a sweat lodge and really started to get back to my traditional spiritual roots. When I started meditating and doing the work, I felt an extra layer of protection around me. I've never been bothered by it again so far. Today, I'm in my own apartment with my own job, my own car, and I have custody of my kids. I've come a long way, and I'm thankful that I made it out with my life. Many of my old friends weren't so lucky. I appreciate the little things, and I'm not so hard on myself anymore. Happiness is fleeting, so no one is ever 100% happy, but I do have peace, and that's all I really ever wanted. I have one more story from my dad. The story is about his parents, my grandparents, when they were first married on the old farm in Wyoming. This was in the 50s. My grandparents had a small one-bedroom log cabin in the middle of nowhere. They were still teenagers, 16 and 19, but hardened by farm work and being indigenous and in a not-so-accepting world. I'm so endlessly proud of them. Anyway, one night many years ago, my grandpa was putting the horses in their stalls when they started acting up. They started running in all opposite directions, rearing and whinnying, obviously scared of something. My grandpa looked up and saw a man at the edge of their property line, dressed in all black, staring off into the distance. 
weird, but whatever. He tracked down the horses and finally got them in their stalls. He then went inside for dinner. The man was still there, walking slowly along the fence. Grandpa made note to keep an eye on him and ate his dinner with Grandma. They were eating when all of a sudden the sunset disappeared. It got dark and cold fast within a minute. The horses broke out of their stalls and were freaking out. Grandpa looks outside and sees the man in all black walking up to their little house. The horses did not like this strange man, so Grandpa was wary of going out to greet him. He grabbed his gun and waited by the door. They listened to the man walk up to the house, climb up the side of the house, cross the roof, and climb down the other side of the old farmhouse. He then watched the man walk off into the distance. When he faded into the black, the sounds came back. He didn't realize how quiet it got. No insects, birds, wind, nothing while the man was in view. He was not of this world, and the animals knew. Grandpa and Grandma went outside to get the horses again, and they found his footprints. Except the footprints were only on and around the house. The footprints started out as hoof prints, and then after he climbed down from the fence, his footprints turned back into hoof prints. They believed they experienced a skinwalker, but who knows? That many years ago in Wyoming, I believe them. Thank you so much for sharing my stories. I hope they're legible and make sense. I wrote this on my phone over the course of a couple of days. I love y'all so much. I see how hard you work to make a paranormal chicks thrive. And I'm so grateful. I'll ride in again soon, M. Whoa. Also, first thing, congratulations on being sober and all of the hard work that you put in to get your kids back and live your life so peaceful. Yes, 100%. But they wake y'all up at five in the morning? Yeah, that's um, early. It is. Just, you know, to like get your day started and just like then going Mm. I would have to go to bed at seven when they let me too if I was waking up that dang early. Yeah. Also, I hope that the girl that was in the room next to you, I hope that she did okay in the rehab. Yeah. I wonder, okay, so they feel like maybe it was a skinwalker, but it was almost like it was like the angel of death, like passing over their house. Like, like, do I want to get them? No, I'm just going to go ahead and pass over. Like watching to see and then being like, nah, I'm going to leave them. Yeah. But because why else? Why would a skinwalker just do that? Yeah. You know, I don't know. But for real, though, um, M, we are super proud of you. And thank you so much for sharing. Yes. Okay, last one. Summer Camp Creepies. And when I read that, I thought it said Summer Camp Cream Pies. <laughs> Donna's hungry. <laughs> okay, or... that's not where my brain went. But cool. I went to Moon Pies. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I would have went to Oatmeal Cream Pies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's not the cream pie I was thinking about. Well, she's horny and hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Hello, ladies. I'm so excited to write y'all. I found your podcast after catching up with both My Favorite Murder and Two Girls, One Ghost. And I have to say, you're my favorite. I just wanted to tell you guys a little bit about my creepy experiences at summer camp I attended slash worked at for a combined 12 years. Let's set the scene. Southern Illinois, Shawnee National Park, week-long Catholic youth camp. If you guys don't know, Illinois isn't all plains and cornfields and Chicago. The southern tip of Illinois is glorious with rolling hills, carved cliffs, and forest for miles. It's one of my favorite places in the world, and this camp is a huge reason. One year when I was a camper, we were out on our overnight, sleeping in the middle of the woods, no tents, cooking burgers on a fire, staying out all night, and it began to downpour. Our counselors gathered the 30-something girls up and led us back towards camp where there was a cave we could sleep in for the night. It was very spacious and all 30 of us could fit in without squishing. My friends and I were sleeping closest to the entrance of the cave and settled into our sleeping bags, eventually all falling asleep. 
All of a sudden, I am shaken awake by my friend. I open my eyes and I look at her and she meets my eyes and shifts them towards our feet at the opening. I look at where she is directing me and at the end of our sleeping bags was the figure of an old bent man. Think Jafar's old form when he breaks Aladdin out of jail type figure. No face, just the figure. But it was there. I looked back at my friend and being only 12, just cuddled closer and we both closed our eyes and fell back asleep. We didn't have any other issues the rest of the time as campers. Now fast forward a few years and I'm finally a counselor. One night when I was off duty, I went out with a friend to the dried up waterfall slash creek bed to stargaze at the other end of camp. The moon was full and it was pretty bright out, so you could see most things except when you were in the cover of the trees. When we were getting closer to our midnight curfew, I had my friend walk me across a swinging bridge I would have to take back to get where I was staying. There are a lot of creepy stories about this bridge, mostly shadow people related, and your girl didn't have a flashlight or a phone with her at this time. He walked me across the bridge with no incident. We said goodbye to each other, and I began my walk back to the cabin. I was walking alone by myself down the straight road to get back. The road was once a train track, and you can see where the rail workers drilled into the cliffs on the side to put dynamite in to blow cliffs to make way for the track. I was approaching the point in the road where you come between these two cliffs. There was a Y in the road at this point that would lead me to the lakes if I veered right, but it would take even longer to have to go that way. However, as soon as I continued straight through the cliffs, I saw a figure walking towards me. They seemed to have a white shirt on. Without a flashlight and still under the cover of the trees, I called out to let them know I was walking as to not scare them. I thought it was a male counselor heading back to his unit for the night. However, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I realized everything was quiet in the forest around me and the hair on the back of my neck was standing on end. My stomach was flipping continuously as I watched the figure approach me and I turned on my heel and sprinted faster than I ever had down to the lake road. That was the first time I was truly scared at camp. Fast forward four years. I'm a unit leader, mother hen of 30 girls, and taking my kiddos from handicrafts to swimming. One of my younger girls stops me at the back of the group and asks to chat with me. I put one of my counselors in training in charge of leading the rest of the group the 30 feet to the swimming gazebo. And I sit with the girl in the shaded gravel within eyesight of the rest of my unit. This little girl begins to break down crying to me. She told me that she wasn't sleeping well and just wanted to sleep during swimming. I asked her if there was something going on when she was trying to fall asleep and this girl proceeds to tell me the most horrifying story. She said that the night before, she had woken up to the sound of someone coming in her cabin. These cabins are three-walled with four bunk beds. The front of the cabin is completely open, no screens, doors, anything, and it has slight windows at the top of the walls for airflow. It's a super rustic camp. She had been asleep on the top bunk and opened her eyes to see the figure standing in her cabin. She said the figure looked like it was a man wearing a black hoodie and it just stood there. She watched the figure as it stayed and rolled over and eventually fell asleep. I was speechless. I didn't know what to tell her. I was only 21 and hadn't really gotten into the paranormal aspects of life yet. I ended up trying to play it off as a male staff trying to prank the female staff and chose the wrong cabin. Horrible story. I then told her I would be at the unit that night and I would sit at her cabin with her until she fell asleep and I did just that. I read a book with my red light, terrified the entire time, but she fell asleep. 
In the morning, she pulled me aside at breakfast, crying again, but it was even worse this time. After I had gone to sleep in the middle of the night, she woke up again. She was facing the windows where the top bunk looked out, and the figure came back, looking at her through the window on the side of the cabin. I am all horrified again and begin to panic. I knew what cabin she was sleeping in, and there was absolutely no way for a human being to reach that window and look into it, especially without a ladder. This unit was the closest to the outside world, and there were stories about locals coming to grab campers' ankles through the wooden stairs, but this one was sinister. The whole day after this girl told me the story, she was completely fine, laughing with her friends, eating fine, energetic, but I was a wreck. I had my first panic attack ever. At the staff meeting that night, I went to my supervisor and begged him to let me go home that instant for a couple of days. I only lived 45 minutes away in my college town, and so I left and came back two days later. I felt horrible for doing that to my staff and kids, but something felt wrong and unsafe for me to be there at the time. My staff told me the girl had no other issues while I was gone, and she didn't for the rest of the time I had with her. Those are just a few of my creepy camp stories. A friend of mine used to say that camp has so much good that it makes sense that there are a few instances of scary events just for the balance. My friends and I could probs write a book about creepy campers. There have been other things that happened over the years, true crime and paranormal related, but I don't think I should put them on blast. I owe this camp everything and I can't express how important I feel it is to send kids to summer camp. Not only did I develop independence and life skills, but I also made some of my best friendships and met and married the love of my life because of this little slice of the Shawnee. I will be writing in soon with a couple more stories. Thanks for all the laughs, Maddie. So I was a Girl Scout and went to camp and the two things that stick out in my brain would be one, um, having a hard time falling asleep in the thing, which I did camps like when I was like at church too, but specifically Girl Scout camp, I remember. And then two, one time that the dining hall was really far away and I peed my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's on brand for you. (laughs) So I had to go back and change and come back. I was probably six years old. Okay, so why was... Like, the cabins were so far away. I only went to camp once, and I was a counselor, and it was for a week. It was called Civitan Camp. So, it was a camp for people with disabilities, and so their parents could, you know, have that week off. It was like a respite week for parents. Yeah. And so, they had, like, one week where it was kids, and then the next week was, like, older adults. Well, first, they put me in the baby barn, and... Everyone was like, oh my God, you get to be in the baby barn because uh, it had air conditioning. But I was also like, uh, there's babies and I don't know shit about shit. <laughs> okay. So I changed real quick. But anyway, I remember like it was the cabins were so far away from to eat. I'm like, by the time I got there, I was starving. Mm-hmm. But they made us do yoga like and by yoga, I mean like stretches in the morning. But I was like, do you not know that I just fucking walked a mile to right. get here and I just want to fucking eat? I just need a biscuit. <laughs> also, I remember that, you know, we had shower shoes Mm -hmm. that we had to wear and there was a frog in the shower one time that I took one Mm -hmm. and you know I am weird about this shit so but like also it was very hot so I had to take a shower right like uh uh-uh but then there were uh lots of like little worms Mm -hmm. in the thing and I was like roaches usually oh can you not say there was one one time that I saw and it was enough I was like nope done but uh I mean you have to do what you have to do at those points but that was the last time for camp for me okay uh one time colby went him and his best friend garrett went on this church camp i think it was the only time he'd ever went and 
he got homesick. And so Garrett's dad, like, came, but didn't get him, paid for a hotel room, and they would go and sleep with him at the hotel room and then go do all the kids' stuff during the day. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's going to kill me for telling y'all that. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. But also, (laughs) 100% him. Oh, I'm surprised his mama didn't come get him. Yeah. Now, that would be 100% y'all both with bidets. Yes. Well, but my mom just recently... um, joined this little like well she started going to this church and she joined like their like senior citizen it's called like 55 and alive that's cute but anyway she went to this uh i think it's the same camp that i peed my pants at and before she left colby told her now if you're ready to come home you call us (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh well, thank you all so much for sending in all these stories. They are awesome. Keep them coming. The more you send in stories, the longer we get to do these episodes. And you see, though, we are at August. Yeah. It's October right now, okay? Yeah, we used to be like seven months ahead or behind. Now we're like a minute. Yeah, so... Send these mother humpas in. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to send in your stories to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember... Creep it real and don't, don't get scared. scared.